dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. They say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. The same could be said about the road to failure. The difference between success and failure is often the ability to try. But this is exactly what's difficult for many of us. We can have the greatest intentions and the most noble aspirations, but passing into action seems to be one of the hardest things to do. Does faith offer us any remedy? Does grace give us any advantage in taking the plunge of leadership? Well, everyone, if you're here, it's because you are committed to trying to develop yourself for the Lord as his leaders. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for that, for taking this course to be able to say, if I'm going to lead and leave an impact, I want to leave the best one that I possibly can. And so we remember our different stages here, right? Leadership is a question of influence. Influence comes from our actions. Our actions flow through four stages, right? The first is the aspiration of desire, right? That audacity of the heart to actually say, I want something that I don't yet have. And we say many people fall into a type of fear there that translates into a fatalism, right? To say that I, I'm not going to allow my heart to have that audacity because I've already seen it. It's already been there. There's nothing I can do to overcome the, the inevitability of my fate, right? But when we have an aspiration that's true and authentic and we let our hearts go free, it's not enough. We then need to take the time to consider with an awareness all the different resources that I have and the circumstances and the challenges that are in front of me and have the courage to sit down to assess them correctly, to focus and choose, right? To make a good vision forward, a strategy forward so that I can decide on which of the many possible courses that I could take of action, which one is the best one for me to do. When I've done all of that, I've made a good plan, <laughs> right? And so you're like, well, what's after that? Well, I know what's after that is this really difficult moment where we have to decide if we're going to do it or not, right? And the ancients called this moment a moment of imperium. Imperium, I-M-P-E-R-I-U-M. That moment is, is the do or die moment where I decide if I'm going to stay in potential and stay where I'm at, or if I'm going to commit myself on the outside with real resources and potentially run the risk of losing something in order to attain this goal that I do not yet have. So it's really kind of a doorway that I have to pass through. And if I pass through it, well, then I'm in the full field of action. And I've, I've made a plan and now I'm executing that plan. And I've got to navigate all the minefields that that entails in order to, in the end, share the fruit of what I've got by leaving a legacy behind, right? In my, my act of engaging my team, 
of collaborating with other people, sharing in the, the whole enterprise of leadership so that I can really make the impact in the hearts of those around me that, that is the consummation of any human influence, right? So those four stages, aspiration, understanding, drive, and engaging others, they all hinge on this doorway moment where it's almost like a, a little boy who climbs up to the top of a diving board in order to execute a dive. And all of the people are on the side and they're saying, you can do it, you know, you can dive off the diving board. He's practiced it and he's practiced it. And everything's been fine and dandy until he gets to the edge of that board. And then he looks down at the pool <laughs> and he sees his friends all there standing and he freezes up, right? You say, oh my gosh, like all you have to do is jump. Right? And it's true, if he jumps, then he'll dive in the water. Jump and put your hands above your head and you'll make it into the water. But will he jump or won't he jump? Well, if he doesn't jump, he will never have executed the dive. Well, no, it's not true. He practiced and he practiced. I know he practiced, but he never got to the point of jumping off the diving board and actually doing the dive. Which means that no matter how much work he's put into it, he can't yet claim success. Right? When it comes right down to it, we just have to accept that 80% of success is showing up. And yet often that's the hardest part of the whole action. And it varies by different people's temperaments. Some people are, are very active folks and it's not hard for them to simply pull the trigger, so to speak, and pass from planning into execution. But other people are really plagued by not being able to pass beyond the point of their good intentions and their good plans into an execution that will make them successful. And you'll see folks like this. They're constantly there on the sidelines with great ideas, but when you try to get them to engage, they demur. They, they, they step to the side. What is that? And why, how is it that I can make the right engagement and learn to master those situations so that I can be the good leader that I know I have the potential to be. Well, you know, when I look at the, the life of our Lord and the life of St. Paul and the life of the saints in the Bible, I'm, I'm amazed to see that this is actually a quality that matters a lot to Christ. He says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. And he says that at the end of our days, we'll be judged based on our actions and on what, how we treated and what we did or did not do to the poorest of the poor. There's even a passage where he says, it is not all those who say, Lord, Lord, who will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my heavenly father. Now you can overemphasize things and, and, and make yourselves, you know, completely scrupulous about this. I'm not saying to do that, but I am saying that there's a value that comes from passing through that doorway into execution that is, that is incalculable in terms of making us mature in our humanity and passing from adolescence and childhood into the, the full responsible adulthood, all right? And, and if we don't pass through that or we demur again and again, we can miss the opportunities for leadership, which will eventually cause resentment in the ranks of those who follow us. If I was to take a poll of everyone underneath you who's influenced by you and ask them what, what they think of your leadership, could you imagine what the results would be for someone who's always afraid to make decisions? Or if you make decisions and then you, you simply fail to execute upon them time and time again, it's, it's actually going to be impossible to lead. And the same goes, of course, in marriages. 
and I'm thinking, you know, some, some humor, right, of the, the amount of times that I've, I've, I've heard complaints from, from wives that they just don't understand how to motivate their husbands into action, right? Now, of course, I know it goes both ways, but at the same time, it's humorous to see the, the tendency of, of a nagging uh, spouse who gets frustrated that their nagging proves ineffective. And usually I'll, I'll suggest to them that if your nagging hasn't worked in the past 20 years, maybe it's time to try a new method, right, <laughs> of, of motivation. But, but the problem is the same. And it's not just in marriages. It's, there's a problem that happens for, for leaders everywhere. How do I get folks to do the great things that I know that they should do? Uh, teachers wanting to move their students to actually do their homework, right? Or preachers who want people to actually come to church. I mean, we have Bible studies, we got classes, and it's the same seven people who show up to every single thing that the parish does, you know? <laughs> like there's 7,000 people in the parish, but only seven are coming to the actual stuff that we do. Why is that, right? And it's, it's the great realm of motivation. People can be all in agreement that things are really of value, intentionally and on the inside and theoretically, but getting them to pass through the doorway of implementing those things into their actual life, wow, that's, that's a whole nother riddle. But it's a riddle that the church has a lot to say about, beginning with St. Thomas Aquinas, and I, I want to share that with you. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. From the time of its inception, the Catholic Church has been working in the field of human action, trying to understand it, motivate it, shape it. And so the Catholic Church has a lot of built up knowledge and wisdom about some of the problems that we face on a daily basis as leaders. And I want, just as a Catholic priest, to help bring some of that wisdom to bear to help our leadership to move forward better. And one of the things that we, we stumble upon, a lot of, some of us more than others, is the ability to execute, to pass into action on the good intentions that we have. And I've seen this time and time again where someone who knows their faith inside and out uh, fails to do what's right in a given circumstance or falls time and time again in front of the same temptations when in fact their knowledge is thorough on the subject. So you could teach to your blue in the face, but how do you get that to become real in someone's life and have their actions actually flow from their teaching? This is a challenge for all of us, but it's something that the church has looked at quite a bit. And I want to share with you about it, in particular from a theologian whose name is St. Thomas Aquinas. So he was a Dominican friar in the early 13th, 13th century, early 1200s, right? A long time ago. But he recapitulated the thought of St. Augustine and of Aristotle and of just many of the thinkers of the church on human behavior in a really marvelous fashion. And he says that when a human being is going to engage uh, from a planning stage into an action phase, there's a choice that they have to make to actually start the activity. Because when you go from planning into executing, you pass into a realm of real risk, right? Well, think about when you're just planning something, it's safe. 
it's still on the inside. It's an interior activity. This is an internal document, right? This is just our, our planning thing. This is just a, a framework that we've put together. So there's no real risk involved. I mean, there's risk on your team, et cetera, but you, know, you haven't yet committed any resources to it. There's, there's, a, there's not a high threshold of failure because all you're doing is making a plan and plans can change. I remember working with an architect once and it was amazing because he's, he's got this whole paper out of all the work that he's done, you know, show me the plan. And I said, well, what if we change this? And he said, this is the time to do it, Father. It's a lot easier and a lot cheaper to erase a pencil line with an eraser than to knock down a wall, right? And, and that's exactly the, the, the thought. When you're planning, you're safe and you're on the inside and, and things aren't really risky. But when you move to an execution and you build something on the outside, when you actively engage your resources and your responsibility towards something that exists as a result of your action, well, then there's real risk and people will freeze up in front of that. And so there's a needed, there's a, a special motivation needed to go forth into the action. And St. Thomas Aquinas calls it an imperium. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that literally translates as command. The command of your intellect, he says, your mind, to your will, saying, do this, right? Your will is what allows you to sense what is good and to desire something. So you have a desire to achieve this great plan. You want to make this great product out of your company. You, you, you've thought it through. You've said, okay, this quarter we want to do these things in our, with our business, right? That's your goal. And that's a, that's a great thing. And that, that education of the will and of the heart, that's a big part of being a leader. And then you make a plan, a strategy around how to do it. But then there's a, a thing that says, yes, but huh, do I really have the moxie inside to engage myself towards this? Is this really worth my time and my energy? Is this, do I feel like I still want to do this? I remember speaking with a, a fellow who's owned a business for many years and he's thinking of finally selling it. And, and he said, you know, the thing is, I, I, I realize that I don't really want to do the things that I've been doing. I get up now in the morning and I realize it's a drain on me. I don't want this anymore, okay? So that might be a perfect sign that it's time for him to retire and sell the company. When you don't want to do the work anymore, well, you're not gonna stay there for long, right? You might be able to grind it out for a while, but eventually you're going to quit, right? Which is also very important to watch in your employees. It's not even so much do they have the tools, do they, but do they have the drive? Do they have the desire? Are you making their life enjoyable by doing what they're doing. A person who doesn't get up in the morning excited to go to work won't go to work for long. Well, why? Because of this act of imperium. Their brain will stop telling their will to do this because the will will say, I've moved out. I've chosen something else, right? So there's a lot to say for the stability of the will to be able to really dedicate itself, right, to something and not quit, to be able to, to see the real value that's in, implied even beyond sacrifice. Yes, there's a lot to that. But it, the mind has to always be in accord with that. It, it, you can't just pay someone to keep their job, in other words. They're, they're eventually, the truth of whether or not a job is good for a person 
is going to shine through. And that's the role of the intellect, is to identify, is this good that you desire really still good for you? If it is, well then, the, the intellect issues a command that says, do this, engage. And that, and that clear vision of truth is the key. When fear grips a person, fear of risk, fear of failure, you're going to see that fear being translated into a paralysis where they don't act. And you've got good people who know the truth, know what God's calling them to, know what, what, what holiness is, know their Bible, who don't stand up for Christ, don't speak out in public, don't vote in a wake, you know, that's in accordance with their faith, make no waves in our culture. You say, well, what's the problem with this? How could this possibly be that people who claim to know Christ and claim to know the Bible and all this are, are, are completely ineffectual when it comes to transforming the culture? And the answer is going to be right here. I'm not sure that they've seen the truth in its practical enough terms to allow their brains to say, this is truly good for you. When we allow our faith to be a speculative thing, a theoretical practice only, and of course it is, but when we stay at that level, we can sterilize its power to transform the real situations of our life. The theory and the, the speculative beauty of the faith is also the most practicable of things, which means it needs to deploy all of its strength by transforming our ability to say, I'm going to act in accordance with it. Do this by our minds to our will. Engage in accordance with the truth of the faith. Faith is a very practical thing. And by engaging in it, we make the influence Christ has called us to make in our society. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. And so how is it that I can master this ability to engage myself? We said, you know, the imperium of St. Thomas Aquinas is a command that comes from my mind. And that's the real key here. Fear, if you remember, is a passion. Fear is not an intellectual thing. The mind recognizes that a threat is present and the heart withers away in front of that threat. Sometimes fear is a healthy thing because the threat is real and the heart needs to reassess what it has to do, right, in order to survive, right? So the, the, if there's a bear coming on the trail, well, you need to get off of the trail. <laughs> That's right. It's pretty simple. Simply put, your mind will say, change, run away, you know, move to a different area, right? And that's, of course, a good thing because your mind is correctly assessed that the truth of that threat is of greater import than the truth of, where, of you taking that path to get to where you're going. But sometimes the truth of the threat in front of us and our mind's recognition of it can be either distorted or we can choose to simply allow it to lull us into inaction. And both of those scenarios, both it being distorted or us being lulled into inactivity, we don't achieve the goal that we were made to achieve. And so we need to fight against these two tendencies. And this is where Christ in his grace comes to help us. The first point, 
Remember that we are called for action. We are called to love effectively. If I've gotten married, for example, then my spouse and their sanctification is my number one priority. I need to show that person the love of God because I made a vow to them that I would do that. And in the showing them of that love of God, raise those children that we've been graced with and a family that is glorifying God. I will be judged on my judgment day based upon the love that I've shown my spouse. I mean, you could say, well, or that I haven't shown my spouse. So like right away, it's not a question of, well, whether or not I thought I was a good person. I mean, <laughs> it's funny as a priest, I haven't met many people who have admitted to me that they're bad people. It's funny. Everyone I know thinks that they're a pretty good person. It's amazing. The world is full of good people. (laughs) I'm like, the question isn't whether or not you're a good person. I'm sure that you are. The question is whether or not you have adequately led your spouse to heaven and whether or not you've done all that you can to raise your children in the faith. So this is what we we endeavor to do when we were married in the church. So that's where I've got to focus myself. So it's not a question of, well, maybe I'll make it, maybe I won't. I need to make it there. This is my mission before the Lord. Right? So in this way, it's not inaction, a paralysis is a failure. It's actually the greatest failure. It'd be better to make a lot of mistakes and eventually fall, fail your way into success than it would be to stop trying. Because in that scenario, we recognize that the grace of Christ is going to be with us to help us to correct as we go along. I love the image that some people use of a GPS, saying that God is like a GPS, because it's really very true. The GPS works when you're driving. (laughs) And if you make the wrong turn, it recalculates the route forward. There's always going to be a way to get to the destination. You know, the GPS is never going to suddenly say, and now there is no hope, you know, abandon ye hope, I'm turning off. That's not what the GPS will do. It'll always recalculate based upon your decisions. But you have to keep the car moving. Well, God in his grace works deep inside of us to help us to say, well, there you made a mistake. Recalculate to refine your way forward. We risk a lot less, in other words, by taking risks than we do by refusing to take any at all. When you refuse to take any risk at all, you're not alive. <laughs> you know, the only way to be sure of making no mistakes is to stop trying. But if you stop trying, you've, you, you've made the greatest mistake and blunder of them all. Life and love, it's about moving forward. Even if you've made a mistake on the path, you can learn from it. What a beautiful perspective Christianity gives there. And Jesus will progressively teach you to make better and better choices. The good news about our God is that he works with us and within us and that he heals us by the working. And so the more that you try, the better you're going to be at doing what is right. That's the promise. Okay, so so much for for having a distorted sense of the truth. God will work with us. But then on the other hand, you have this other problem, which is that we allow our minds kind of bracking in front of risk in order to lull us into inaction, right? And that's a, a voluntary thing where we say, oops, well, we were told that this could be risky, and so I'm not going to venture there, right? Now, think again of in, in a marriage situation where the garage needs to be cleaned out, 
and we know it needs to be cleaned out, well, for the past about 12 years. <laughs> and we still just have not been able to effectuate it. Or about the diet that we've been told by the doctor we needed to go on um, three years ago, right? And yet we still just can't seem to pull the trigger and to make that thing happen. What's happening there? What's happening there is that the end goal that we really would need to achieve we haven't allowed the love of that to be bigger than the love that we have for our own security. We've traded in success for safety. Now, I'm not saying safety in, in, in a physical sense, right, obviously, but I'm saying that the safety or security that just comes from everyone just accepting where we're at and not challenging us to move forward. It's the good enough of life. Well, I just want to put forward here that there to heal that, when you meet Jesus and you let Jesus into your heart, he reopens you to the beauty of the gift of yourself, the gift of love that you can only give when you yield to the beauty of the love in front of you to draw you forward. I mean, there is something bigger in our life than security and safety. There's the one whom we love and to give ourselves towards that love is such a beautiful thing. So powerful and innovative, creative, clean, new. Uh, in a sense, we, we've grown used to eating the pods that the, the swine feed on, like the son, the prodigal son in the parable of Christ. And we've forgotten that we're made for the royal feasts that are out there in front of us. And, and Jesus, when we, we let him renew our hearts, he restores in us this, this vision of our own greatness found on the other side of love. And, and, and I love that about our faith. Being a religion of loving Christ makes us avid to, to overcome ourselves and our apathy and our self-contentment by, by an act of that really reach the service of others in, in their greatest needs, that our joy is to quench the thirst of others. Our joy is to bring joy to others, right? Our joy is to make this world a better place. And that that's the truth that our mind needs to, 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 to recapture. And that by finding Christ, we recapture. And so once again, we find ourselves in this place of seeing Jesus at the very source of leadership, at the healing of leadership. Christ overcomes all of our fears he guides us to make good decisions. And he inspires us to act without fear because he is there on the other end of love. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.